hello, hello, 2021, or, well, it's already February, so kind of just pretend like it's January 1st. I have an announcement before I start this. I think it's a fantastic episode. It's very useful. Um, but I am hosting a Career Compass Masterclass on March 13th. It's going to be online. It's going to be two hours of you finding out what the perfect career is for you. I want you to be happy in your job. I want you to have fulfillment in your career. I want you to know what you're doing. And if you are in a job right now that you're not happy in or you just don't know what your next job should be, you're just kind of just wishy-washing around and you you know it's corona time you're working from home and you're questioning if the, the job that you're doing is actually the job that you're supposed to be doing or you actually want to be doing you have all of these questions then definitely come to the career compass Masterclass on march 13th again it's online we're going to f cover five areas that will define the perfect career for you there's a live q a you can ask me all of the questions that you want and um yeah, I hope to see you there. If you're just, this is for you. I think basically if you are recently graduated, maybe you have your first job already, maybe you're in your second job, you're just not quite sure what the next step in your career is going to be. Or this is for you if you have a major, major, major dream, like starting your own business or just getting a certain manager's position at a certain job, um, but you don't quite know how to get there or you're a little bit scared, you're not really sure how to get there. This is definitely... For you so I'll see you March 13th just click on the link in the description here and I hope to see you there bye okay yeah so this episode today is for those of you who have graduated university graduated college and maybe you are in your first job or your second job and you absolutely dislike going to work um, and it has nothing to do with the field that you chose but more about like the whole office environment maybe you're we work in corporate and you just don't really know what the whole corporate politics game is all about and you're just wondering like oh my gosh am i in the right space right now do i need to get a new job um, yeah, if that's your case, then grab your notebook and grab your pen because these are the seven lessons that I wish I learned earlier, especially when I worked in corporate. Um, yeah, these lessons have saved my job happiness and they have um, saved me a lot of stress and anxiety and sleepless nights. So I really wish I'd learned these earlier. It took me like four or five jobs to get this down. So I'm saving you a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of like tears <laughs> if you learn these lessons early on in your career. So, all right, I'm just gonna dive right in because there are seven lessons and I might split this podcast up in two because it's gonna be quite long otherwise. But there are seven lessons. Um, no, before I dive into the first lesson, why does your work, your first job suck? Let's just kind of start there because, like I said, it's not about the field that you chose to work in. It's not about the industry because when you started your university or your college degree, you kind of had an idea of what you wanted to do and you didn't choose that, you know, just for fun. You wanted to make a job out of that, probably. Um, and if you didn't like the first year, then you probably switched majors. You sp probably switched studies because 
why continue something that you don't like, right? So I started studying law in 2009. I was 19. And I gave up after a year because I just truly hated it. Like, it, it was not for me. Law school was not my jam. Um, and so I switched a year later and I started to study communication and information sciences, which kind of led me to a career in online marketing. So yeah, I really knew already when I graduated, okay, I want to do online marketing, right? But then I started my job in online marketing, thinking like, oh my gosh, I studied this, this is so, so much fun in college, this is going to be great. Um, and then it turned out to be like the worst job in my life, right? And it had nothing to do with marketing. It had nothing to do with online marketing. I still liked that. I just didn't really like working in an office environment. And I think that the change from studying every day, from like having all this freedom, going to lectures and just sleeping in and, you know, sometimes taking a test to waking up early every single day to go to an office environment, uh, work with colleagues that I barely knew, doing, you know, doing the work that I didn't really know how to do. Because I you know how you learn like a lot in college, but you never really learn how to do it? Like you learn more about the theory behind it or like, um, you know, you write essays on it, but you don't actually execute it. So that first job was just really all about adjusting. And I'm sure that you kind of recognize what I'm saying here. Um, and I, I think that the whole switch from school to career is very big, something that we very much underestimate all the time because the first 22 to 24 years of our life are pretty simple right we have primary school middle, middle school high school college and then boom graduation and so you kind of know the first 24 years of your life they're kind of mapped out for you already you don't have to think you just have to go to school get good grades pass the tests move on to the next level and you've done that for the first 24 years so it kind of becomes easy almost Right? But then you graduate and you step into this adult world, which means getting a job. And here you are all of a sudden. <laughs> and school, you know, we are led to believe that school prepares us for doing the job, um, which I think is partly true. Because school teaches us basic human life skills, right? Like socializing or how to speak in public, how to give a presentation, how to take responsibility. Um, but most of what we do in school is focused on education and on like theory and on the knowledge. And even though that knowledge that you get in, in college um, gives you a head start in your career, it's not really enough to make you successful in your first job because you're not taught how to think or act or behave or like feel in your new job environment. So that kind of just, it's like, like, jumping in cold water, right? It's just like this big shock after you've been really comfortable for a long time, for 24 years, and then all of a sudden you have to jump in cold water and you have to learn how to swim. So that, that's a big transition in our lives. And I also think that, at least that was the, the case for me, that when I went to university, I felt like the shit, right? I was like, oh my God, I'm the bomb.com because I'm super smart, I'm here at university, I'm getting all these good grades. Um, I felt really good. And when I graduated, I felt really accomplished. I was like so ready to take on the world. I actually told the people when I signed my diploma, I told them, I'm gonna run my own business, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. And I remember them looking at me like, okay, this girl's ambitious, like good luck with that. 
uh, but I felt like I could just take on the world. And then all of a sudden you get your, your first job and you are back at the bottom of the ladder, basically. You're back at where you started, right, in preschool. All of a sudden you're like the new kid, you're the recent graduate, you're the rookie. And it's that feeling of feeling like the rookie that crashes, or at least they crashed my big hopes and dreams. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have to start all over again. I have to make copies and, you know, do assistant work when I would rather just own the whole company. And I, and I truly believed that I could at the time. I mean, I was very ambitious. I was 24. I was like, I can definitely run this corporate, which, you know, looking back seven years later, no, not really the case. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was always very confident. So, I mean, that's the reason why I think our first job sucks. It's not so much that we don't necessarily chose the wrong field or we chose the wrong industry. We're just not used to the whole career corporate environment where, you know, waking up at the same time every single day, you get into this rhythm, you come home, you had a stressful day and you still have to cook and clean and work out and hang out with friends. And that just becomes a lot. And you don't really know how to behave in the office, right? You're not yet part of the senior team you're not a manager yet you know you have to start at the bottom and that just makes it really hard so i'm going to save you some time by giving you these seven lessons <laughs> um, that i learned in my first year so that you can excel to the top like a lot quicker than i did um these lessons were my own so if they don't apply to you you know if they don't resonate that's fine um but yeah i i yeah, without these, I don't think I would be where I am today. Okay, let's dive right in. Lesson one, nothing in business is life or death, right? No one dies if you don't send that email today. No one dies if you didn't quite make the deadline, and no one dies if you make a spelling mistake in that super important pitch, okay? Um, unless you are like a neurosurgeon or a heart surgeon or you work in healthcare, no one's gonna die in when you do your job. And sometimes it feels that way because your boss and your colleagues put so much pressure on you. I feel like there's this pressure bubble in, in certain offices at the time, like everything needs to be done today before five and everything is important. And if I hear someone say that, or if I like sense that sense of urgency, this sense of like false urgency, that's a big red flag for me, right? Um, I'm not saying that I don't like strict deadlines. If you've, if you've worked with me, you know that I thrive in high performance offices. Like, you know, I love a good deadline and you know that I like to do my work to the best of my abilities, but I don't appreciate the stress and anxiety and perfectionism that comes with certain like people <laughs> and at the job, right? At the end of the day, we are all still human. We kind of make mistakes. Um, and I think it's our job to just own those mistakes. Just honestly admit to the others that you didn't make the deadline because you had trouble managing your time. Or just admit that you forgot to spell check the presentation. Yeah, big oops, so what? Okay, sorry, not going to do that again. We'll try better next time, right? But I know that there are certain work environments that really just build up that pressure and they kind of make you feel guilty for not finishing your tasks or not finishing the things that you were supposed to do. And it just kind of feels 
like you're under pressure all the time. Don't, okay? Again, no one's going to die if you don't send that email. Just think of that the next time um, you feel that pressure. And I also feel that it's the employer's job to create a safe work environment so that you can actually make these mistakes without feeling like a complete failure. Like if you can't admit to your colleagues or your boss that, oh yeah, I'm so sorry, I forgot to spell check, if that's a big issue, then that's a red flag and you need to run. Like if, if you're not allowed to have this like playroom within your job, um, that's a toxic work environment. Um, yeah, you know, I think you can also hold your boss accountable for that. I mean, it's something you can ca call them out on, I, I feel. Like, okay, yeah, they get to judge you because you have your performance review, but I feel that you can do the same and say, hey, listen, you know, I, I feel pressured or I don't feel comfortable sharing um, my mistakes with you, and that just kind of upsets me, and it, you know, it just dampens the mood, and it, and it makes me really unmotivated. You know, you can actually hold them accountable for that. So lesson number one, like <laughs> nothing in business is life or death. Now lesson number two, um, I'm just going to prepare you for it in life because that you are definitely going to fuck up at one point in your career. Like there's going to be a day <laughs> when you are going to totally and utterly fuck up like big time. And unlike the mistakes from lesson one, this mistake is actually going to cost the company damage. It's going to cost the company some type of resource, like money or people or whatever. And you know what? That's totally fine too. Um, I would lie if I said that I didn't have sleepless nights over my fuck up. I was in my, what was it? I think, it was, yeah, I was in my second job. And me and my colleagues had been working on this database for weeks, right? We've been at our office from like 8 a.m. in the morning to 11 p.m. at night for a while. We even bought slippers <laughs> and like for the, for the office so that we could just, you know, roam around in our jogging suits and, and do the work because it was so much. And we would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at our desk. And it was just a really stressful time. But we also had a lot of fun and we thrived and it was really, you know, it just went really well. But I, I personally pushed a button um, that erased the entire database days before the deadline. And I had a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what happened. I like pressed a button and some like there, there was this pop up and I didn't read the pop up. And I was like, fuck, yeah, whatever. OK. And then I pressed OK. And then I just deleted everything. Um, so I went to my boss's office and I cried and I felt so guilty. Like <laughs> there was just no way to reverse all of the work that we just did. So we had to, you know, hire more people to help us the next week to actually set it straight again. Um, I, I don't know. I had heart palpitations. Um, I didn't sleep for a while. I, I cried at the office and I don't cry I mean, I do cry, but I don't cry when there's other people around. So if you see me crying in an office, then you know that, that something's up. And I mean, you know, just knowing how many people worked on this case and knowing how many people were there for the whole week from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., I was like, oh, my gosh, this cost them so much money. So I just, I don't know, I felt extremely guilty. And since then, I've had a few major fuck-ups, like big ones, but they've never really... 
um, made such an impact as the first one because that that was the big first time fuck up where I was like oh my god it, it actually is my fault it actually is my fault um, and it, you know there's no way around it it's it's going to happen to you too at some point in your career maybe it has already happened good for you high five <laughs> you know you've got one down um, just be prepared for it it's going to happen and the only thing that you can do in this situation and that you should do is take full responsibility. Like I didn't like going to my boss crying. I, I truly hated doing that, but I, I had to do it. I had to own up to my mistake. Uh, don't blame others. Uh, don't hide. Like don't show up to work. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Uh, just be an adult about it, you know? It can happen to anyone, really. And it, and it has happened to everyone, really. If you talk to other colleagues about this, they will open up to you and they will be like, yeah, oh my gosh, I remember the first time I did this or that. I'm telling you my story right now. So they, everyone has experienced it at some point in their career. Um, but I, I think it is really important that your boss acknowledges the fact that you meant no harm and that he or she takes the necessary measurements themselves to help you fix the situation. Um, and I think one huge thing that, they, that your boss should do for you is defend you from other people that are higher up in the company. I know that when I deleted the database, um, the lawyers that were working on the case were, f were pissed. They were pissed. They were so angry. But instead of them yelling at me, they yelled at my boss. My boss took the hit for me. She, and I think that's the best thing that she could have done. She really just stood up as a leader, as a manager, and took responsibility for my mistake. And um, that was really cool. So if, you, if that happens to you and your boss doesn't defend you, red flag, leave, run, toxic work environment. But if you do have someone that you can talk to like this and they will help you fix it, you know, that is, that's great. And just, yeah, <laughs> just breathe. You are going to get through it. It's, it's no big deal at the end of the day. And I can laugh about it now. And I know that if I ever have such a major fuck up again, I'm just going to think back on the first time and you see how much I've grown since then. So be prepared. It's going to happen and it's okay. Lesson number three is to treat your salary like an objective number. And that's quite hard. Um, because oftentimes the, the um, amount of salary, like the higher it is, the more worth you feel, right? But your salary is not really tied to your worth or your value. If you don't make as much money as your friends, you're not less of a person. But if you make more than your friends, you're not better than them either, right? Remember that. Your salary doesn't determine the value you bring to the workspace, and it also doesn't define your worth. Um, in my experience, in the 13 years that I've been working in, in corporate, in like, you know, uh, larger or small firms, doesn't matter, your salary is just highly dependent on the industry that you work in, the country, the company size, um, your field, and the position that you work in. Like, it's so different. I could be doing the exact same job at a small firm that, would be, that I would be doing at a large corporate and still be paid half, even though I worked I would work twice as hard in that small firm, right? This is really dependent on all of these factors. The question is, how do you value yourself and how do you value your time and energy? If you work like 40 hours a week, which is fine, 
but you answer phone calls in the weekend and you're taking on more responsibility for minimum wage, then that's totally okay as long as you are okay with it. But just know and keep in the back of your mind that your time and your, your energy equal money. And especially the energy part. Like time, we all know time equals money, but I don't think that's, that's right. I think that energy equals money, right? How much money is your time and energy worth to you? And this highly differs per person. If you earn minimum wage, but you are extremely happy in your job and you just love working overtime and you don't mind helping other people out, you're, you know, you're doing all the things that you want to do in life, then there's absolutely no issue. That, that salary doesn't define you. But if you feel drained and you're sad or you're unmotivated, and most importantly, you are unable to reach your personal goals like buying a house in this economy, or you're giving more than you receive ener energetically, it's time to reevaluate your situation. How much, or how, yeah, how, how do you value yourself? How much is your energy worth to you? And if you want to raise, um, don't ask for it. Right? The only way to get a raise is to prove a point. So if you want to get a raise, show your manager that you are worth that money. Take on more responsibility. Take ownership. Brush up on your skills and your knowledge. Be proactive. And most, the biggest thing is track your process so that you have facts. So the minute you come to your manager, you're like, hey, listen, the past four weeks I've taken on these responsibilities that has taken me this much more of my time, this much more, this much more of my energy. I've had to take an online course to learn how to do this. So I am worth more right now. I need you to, you know, reconsider my salary and I would like to earn the following amount. So don't ask for that raise, but prove yourself over a few weeks of time and then come to your boss with that proof. It's going to drastically change the way you negotiate your money. And again, if you can disassociate yourself from that salary, it's easier to ask for it because if someone then says, no, I'm sorry, I can't give you that raise, it's not a personal issue. You're like, okay, great. It's just a company issue, right? They are not able to give me that money or it's not they don't have the money or the funds to give me that, which nine out of ten times is not the case. But if you tie yourself into that salary story and someone's going to say, no, I, I can't give you that raise and you're going to take it personally, it feels like you're personally attacked, like you're not worth it, which, you know, is just not the case. So treat your salary as an objective number that just comes to your bank account every single month and look at it objectively and see if it fits your situation and if you feel like it's appropriate. Okay. Lesson four. Whew. Yeah. Maybe the most important one for me personally. Um, I've never really been good at this, but I've learned how to do this over the years, and that is how to set boundaries. Boundaries are a blessing, and you need to learn how to play the corporate game. And let me explain to you what the corporate game is. It's a political game that in the first years when you first start working you have no idea is going on um so okay let me start at the beginning when you start your career in the first two three years you're really driven right you want to prove to everyone in the office that you can do the job and so this often results in you staying late and saying yes to every project answering emails at night 
and showing up to every office party because you just you want to show everyone you're committed you're driven you're ambitious you want to belong to the team you want to be part of the team you want to be visible inside of the office so you do all of this to achieve that i remember when i first got my work phone like when i was like 25 i got my first work iphone I was on that thing 24-7. I felt like the bomb.com when I was at dinner with my friends and I would receive a work email at 8 p.m. I would be like, oh my God, wait, just let me check my email. I legit thought it was cool to check my email on my new iPhone while I was at work with, or when I was at dinner with friends. I mean, that's just sad, okay? But we, we all do it because we're so ambitious, right? You feel on top of the world. You want to prove to everyone that you're great. So you do it. And this is fun until you reach a point of no return. And all of a sudden, every responsibility of the team is on your plate. Because people start to see you as the rookie who's always willing and able to do the work. So they leave it all to you. Because they know you're going to answer that email at 8 p.m. They just know it, so they're going to send it to you. Like, hey, can you, you know, can you answer this? Or, hey, can you figure this out? They'll find an excuse to email you because they know that you're going to answer them, even while you're at dinner with friends. And what you don't see is that corporate game, right? It's that subconscious, like, politi political office game. I call it corporate chess because it really is a strategic game. And since I figured it out, I love it. <laughs> I am a strategic thinker and a person, so I, I really love figuring this out. Um, but this is what it comes down to, okay? People in the office and in your team only care about the things that they are being held accountable for, which is their job description. And how well they perform the tasks in their job description is what determines their assessment interview at the end of the year. And that, in turn, determines their success and their salary. So if they have a good performance review, they're going to get a raise at the end of the year. That's how jobs work generally in an office, right? You do your job, you do it well, your boss praises you for it, and then you, you are considered for a raise. That's just how it goes. You want a positive performance review. And the people who play this game are very aware of the tasks that they are asked to do i call that like in scope what's in scope for them and everything that is outside of their job description even if it is technically something that they should be responsible for because it's like this gray area is not interesting to them why because it doesn't contribute to that positive performance review so they don't take on that task so this is how it works right these people are great at what they do because they solely focus on their core tasks. And all the other activities that are not on their main priorities list are left on the table only for you to pick them up willingly in order to impress your boss in hopes of a raise and in hopes to impress your team. So the rookie is always the one running around picking up all of these like small little task because you feel like it's your responsibility because you want to do such a great job all the while these other people are just you know doing the bare minimum doing it really well focusing on what they're supposed to be doing and getting the job done and getting praise for it too and 
this is why it works against you, right? You take on so much responsibility of others, you are unable to deliver maximum results. And you're stressed out, and you feel like your colleagues are not supportive. Okay, so the lesson here is to stop biting off more that you can chew, stop enabling your colleagues to slack, and do what you're hired to do, and just do it well. So once you've become aware of this, this game that is being played, you will start to view and do your job differently. I challenge you. I mean, it might be a little bit more difficult in the corona situation, or it might not. I don't know. I mean, I am mostly an entrepreneur now, so I don't really know how it is to work with a lot of colleagues in a big team, but I challenge you. Go ahead and look around. Look around at the key people in your team and see what their job is and see what they're actually doing and what they are kind of leaving on the table for you to pick up and kind of see how you're being used too, right? I, um, I used to be an assistant to a team of 14 people and I, I mean, I really admire my old colleagues because they, they fooled me because um, <laughs> they saw my ambition they recognized my need for approval and my need for like you know to, to impress my boss because i really wanted to move on to the next level i didn't really want to be an assistant anymore and so my colleagues kind of picked up on that and it was usually the boys it was always the men like it wasn't really the girls it was always the men who were like hey listen i have this like special task for you um i don't really have time to do it but maybe you can help me with it and then you'll be involved in this project. And I'll be like, yeah, that sounds so much fun. Let me do that for you. And then in the end, it will be like the shittiest task. It will be like filling out an Excel sheet. And I, at the time, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so honored. They're asking me to do this. But now looking back years later, I'm like, damn, these people were really, really smart. It was technically, it was their responsibility. They just didn't feel like doing it because they wanted to focus on like bigger things in their job description that they would get praise for and raise for. All the while, I'm doing all the work, right? So, yeah, I challenge you, just look around. Be aware of the patterns that are going on in your team. And I don't necessarily think it's toxic. I just, I don't know, maybe it's like the more experience you have at work, the easier that you'll do this. I do this now too. Everything that I can delegate, I delegate. I, I mean, I, everything that I don't necessarily need to be doing, that I don't necessarily want to be doing is not really my core responsibility. I'll delegate. And it gets easier over time. So, but, but don't become that, that person that picks up all the slack. Don't become that rookie who wants to impress everyone just by taking on everything that other people don't want to do. Be aware of that. That's a big, big one because it's going to save you so much stress. And when you know that this is going on, you can say, you can actually tell these people like, hey, thank you so much for considering me for this task. However, I am really busy doing X, Y, and Z and I'm helping my or our boss with A, B, and C. So. I'm sorry, I really wanted to help, but I just don't think I have the time for it right now at this moment. Maybe you can ask Sabrina, I don't know, right? Just, just thank them politely and move on to do your job. Okay, enough about that. Um, <laughs> lesson five, I think kind of ties in with lesson four. 
It's my all-time favorite advice, and it's called manage expectations. It's the best advice I've ever gotten from a manager. It was at my third job, <laughs> and this man just told me, he said, everything in business is about managing expectations. That's just what business is. And I remember sitting there looking at him like, okay, this man's crazy. I don't know what he's talking about. I had no idea at the time. But these words have made such an impact on me and on my career, my well-being, and just my life in general. I mean, everything is about managing expectations. So next to setting up the boundaries, like, hey, and you know, thank you so much for considering. I'm not going to do this task for you. You also have to let others know what they can expect from you. And this eliminates 90% of your work stress, like guaranteed. If you're not convinced yet, you need to listen to another episode of mine, which is all about healthy stress management. And it talks about how to manage expectations. And you just, all you have to do is be very clear. All you have to do is say, hey, um, I know you asked me to get these numbers to you by Friday. However, it is Wednesday and I'm noticing it's taking me longer to complete this task successfully. Um, I can get the statistics to you uh, by Tuesday at the latest. Is that okay with you? Right? So, bam, crisis averted. Now the ball is in the other person's court, right? If they really need those numbers by Friday, they either need to find more people to um, help you or they need to change the timeline on their project, right? You're showing up, you're showing the, that person that you're willing to work hard and you're willing to cooperate and you want the best results for all team members involved, uh, but it's just not happening because of whatever is happening in your job. So the ball is in their court, they get to decide and you know, you've just given it your all. It just it just makes life so much easier. <laughs> and that's all I do all day, really. I mean, if I notice that I'm not going to, you know, uh, finish something on time or I'm not going to do something on time, I let that person know. I, I just let them know. It's just a quick email, and it's very simple. And 9 out of 10 times, like 99%, people will say, oh, hey, no worries, that's fine. Because, again, nothing in, in business is life or death. So if you can't get the numbers by Friday, no one's going to die. It's okay. And if it is really urgent, then the other person needs to decide what they're going to do. Either they're going to change the timeline or they're going to communicate their um, – they're, they're going to manage their expectations with their boss, whatever it is. You know, they get to decide whatever they do with that information. But, you know, you've shown them and everyone else in the office that you're willing to, to cooperate um, and I don't think it's just managing others' expectations, but it's also managing your own expectations. Like, if I know that I have a very, very busy week because I schedule my week ahead so I know what type of appointments I have, and then someone is going to ask me, hey, can you do this by Friday, I need to be honest with myself. Like, look at my schedule, be honest with myself. Can I, can I do that? Am I going to be able to do that this week? Mentally, physically, emotionally, is that something that I'm able to do? And if it's a no, then I need to be honest with myself too and just say no. You know, this week is already busy enough. I don't think that's possible. Um, and, then, and then communicate that to the other person. But manage your own expectations as well. Um, and that also goes the other way around, right? If you have a project 
and you delegated something and you're noticing that the other person is not really doing anything or they're not emailing or calling you so you're kind of wondering what's happening instead of just sitting around and stressing about it all day ask that person hey you know when can I expect those numbers from you uh, you know initially I need them by Friday that'd be really great but please let me know a short update so I know what where we stand you know it's all about managing expectations and I think it's episode I always have to look at my own episodes because I forget I think it's number oh uh, number 13 it's num episode number 13 go back to that if you really want to learn how to manage expectations for others and for yourself um yeah okay moving on <laughs> lesson six not everyone in your new work environment is your bff i wish like i wish i had a jd and turk jim and dwight jim and pam type of work relationship with everyone in my life um, but unfortunately, that's not really the case. And I know that's what Netflix series have shown you. Like, that's the world we live in. It's, like, all romanticized. Corporate life is really romanticized. Um, but it doesn't really work that way in real life. And in order for a team to function properly, I feel like it's important to get along with everybody and respect each other. And surely you can have fun now and again, like, you know, go for a drink all together or, you know, have one of those team building days, which can be really fun. However, treating all of your coworkers as your new BFFs with whom you share crucial information, like who you hooked up with last night, um, is not really wise, genuinely, um, because it'll definitely come back to haunt you. And some people are pretty petty. Right? So then something might come up like in a, in a work situation and they will grab at the first personal thing from you and they'll throw it in your face. Some people are really petty and it doesn't come across as professional. It just doesn't. Um, I, I do think it's healthy to have like one or two work best friends that can get you through the day and then like that you can text like, hey, oh my gosh, I'm having, so stress I'm having such a stressful day, let's grab a coffee or something. Like that's totally healthy and we definitely need one or two of those best friends. But ideally, these people would not be working in your team. It would be someone from a different department or maybe a different office, whatever it is. Um, like I'm not saying don't make friends at work. <laughs> I'm just really um, saying that the um, there's a fine line between colleagues and best friends it's really difficult because you spend so much time with these people like i said i had colleagues that i worked with from 8 a.m in the morning until 11 p.m at night like we would share the whole day together we knew what each other uh, what each other's favorite pizza was because we ordered it so many times and yeah you know at one point you start sharing about your personal life you know especially when you're yeah, just in the, the same room for a really long time uh, over a period of a year or two years. But, um, I mean, I'm not like that. <laughs> but I know that there are people in the office that use certain information against you. And it's just, it's sad. It's unprofessional. But unfortunately, that's how, how people function. So I just want to warn you in advance that Watch out with the things that you say. Don't become too comfortable. Don't share your whole life. Don't share TMI. 
and just keep it professional and friendly and um, it's okay to show interest and to talk about you know your life outside of work uh, but just know that you are still in a work environment even if you work 15 hours a day together you are still in this work environment and then the last lesson I think I am going to keep this in one podcast because I I feel like this is the usual time for my podcast so yeah I'm going to keep it in one um the last lesson number seven is that you are more than your resume it is oh it's so easy to get caught up in this red race right you're showing off all of the projects that you've completed the clients you've worked with and the money you've made and you have this whole list of accomplishments, um, but you are, you're not just your career. Okay, sure, a job plays a big part in our life because we're there probably 40 hours a week, but you're still a beautiful human soul and there's so much more to you than the things that you put on your resume. And I feel like a lot of people forget that. Uh, they're so focused on on that ambition side and that, that career side, but... I think you should invest in all aspects of your life, right? Your relationships, your hobbies, your sports, spirituality, health, travel, your dreams, whatever it is that makes you uniquely you. Invest your time and energy there too. Don't forget to still have hobbies outside of work. And I'm not talking about watching Netflix. I'm not talking about going on a run once once or twice a week. I'm really talking about your dreams. Maybe you have things you want to achieve maybe you you are a DIY person who really wants to build certain things and don't forget about your friends and family that you might not talk to a lot because you're so busy with work um, make make time for that and that kind of ties in with that lesson number um, three that's what I mean like how much is your time and energy worth to you because in that time outside of work is where your life happens and if you're not getting paid enough, then it's it's not really worth the job is not really worth it. I had a really high paying job uh, when I was 26. Like I was making a good amount of money. <laughs> I was making I was making about like 2,600 um, a month um, after taxes. No, that was like my second job. So I was doing pretty good. Um, and I had got a bonus and, a, and, and like a 13th month and month and whatever. I had all the benefits. But I was so tired every single day. I came home late every single day. I did not have the energy to work out, to meet friends, to cook dinner, to, um, you know, read a book or something. I had no, no energy for that. All I could do was come home, crash on the couch, watch TV, go to sleep, and then do the same thing five days in a row and then the weekend on Saturday I would use I would uh, usually just do my groceries and clean the house and so Saturday Saturday was always gone and on Sunday was the only day that I really got to work on my dreams and work on my side hustle and and um, yeah just enjoy a walk on the beach right and I at, at some point I was like this isn't worth it like yeah I, I love the salary because I, I love money and money loves me um, but it's not worth it because I'm not living a life. Yes, I have all of these amazing projects. Yes, I have helped really amazing clients. 
but I'm not me, right? I'm not, I wasn't investing in myself. So especially now when we live in a day and age where you are not only confronted with your job, but also with who you are in real life. Like I know that there's a lot of focus on that right now. It's a big hype in the coaching community as well. Like, who are you? Like, what's your purpose? What, what are you, who are you besides your job? But it's, it's a really important area to focus on because you're more than, than just that resume. Um, and it's that super cliche saying, right? We are human beings and not human doings. And so therefore we are not defined by the things that we do, but by who we are. So at all times, you know, strive to be a healthy, abundant, content, and just overall compassionate human being who enjoys life, um, you know, next to that job. So... Yeah, find a good balance between work and personal life. Finding that balance can be really hard in the beginning because, again, tying in with lesson number four about the boundaries, um, if, you're, if you're picking up everyone's slack, there's not enough time in your life to enjoy the things that you actually want to do. And that makes your job less enjoyable too because you are blaming your job for not having all this free time and being able to do fun things. And that's what makes your job suck even more. You're blaming that for um, the lack of personal life. So I think that's a good note to end on. It's, it's a very definite standpoint. Um, and yeah, let me know if you have any lessons that you've learned because these are my seven lessons um, from the past 13 years. But maybe you have another one that I'm missing out on. I would really, really love to know. I am not so much active on Instagram anymore. I am just, I don't know. Let me know what you guys want to see from me because I love Instagram. I love social media. I truly do. I also am a social media manager, so I should love it. But there are times in my life where I'm just like, social media is so overwhelming and posting on it so much is taking so much time and energy <laughs> out of my day in life that I don't get to enjoy my day and get to enjoy my life. So I'm, I'm a lot less active on that platform. But yeah, let me know if I should come back, if you miss me, or if you want to see something else from me like TikTok, or maybe I should just send more emails. I should just send more emails. Either way, I would love to see you in the Career Compass masterclass on march 13th it's going to be online again like the last one in november i gave it a different name it's now called the career compass masterclass and i would be super excited to see you there we are going to cover the five areas and how to find a job that perfectly fits you a job and a career that are like meant for you they're in the stars for you that's what we're going to do on march 13th so if you're interested in that just go to www jillianbacher.com you'll be redirected to that website and i hope to see you there and i hope to talk to you soon bye